in any adolescent development style through those teenage years. That's when it's important that kids are finding their own identity of who they are. And parents need to understand, oh, I need to work through my stuff about how I'm feeling about who they're becoming, whether it's being LGBTQIA+, or any other aspect of identity that doesn't fall in line with that parental vision. Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. Today, I am delighted to be bringing to the show a conversation about supporting LGBTQIA kids, and I have the perfect guest to explore this topic with, John Sovek, a therapist, author, and nationally recognized expert on creating affirmative support for LGBTQIA teens and their families during the coming out process. I wanted to talk with John because these conversations are becoming increasingly prevalent within our neurodivergent communities. During this episode, John explains what coming out means and why it's such a significant and ongoing event for any LGBTQIA plus person. He also shared his thoughts on the high correlation between neurodivergence and gender nonconformity, how parents can best respond when their child comes out to them, why affirmation is more important than acceptance, and why it's so important that parents honor their own process as they navigate understanding their child's identity. Here's a little bit more about John before we dive in. John Sobek is the author of Out, A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond, which is the book we're exploring through our conversation today, and is also a frequent contributor to numerous publications providing LGBTQIA Plus support. John speaks at conferences nationally, provides training and professional consultation for community agencies, schools, and nonprofits, and is the host of OutTalk, a monthly web series for OutCare Health. In December 2019, he was appointed by Governor Gavin Newsom to the California Board of Behavioral Sciences. Before I get to today's episode, if you're ready to dive deeper with me and seriously uplevel your parenting progress, I invite you to check out the Differently Wired Club. Think virtual office hours, coaching calls, expert guests, monthly themes, connection with other parents like you, and much more. I open up the doors to the club for a few days at the end of every month. So coming up soon. Curious to know more? Visit tiltparenting.com slash club for all the details. And now here is my conversation with John. Hello, John. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you all today. Yes, me too. I'm excited to get into your new book called Out. We're going to dive into that, but could you kind of set us up? So I've already read your formal bio, so we know your credentials and where you're coming at this from, but could you tell us a little bit more about your personal why and doing the work that you do in the world? You know, it's really fascinating because my personal why showed up when I was in grad school. As an openly queer person and now an openly queer therapist, I noticed in my schooling that there was very little talk about the journey of LGBTQ people in the world of psychology and almost none about the needs of kids and adolescents. And so as I started hearing that, I realized this is a place that's really important to me. I had a very smooth, beautiful, powerful coming out process when I was younger. And yet I still could have used a a therapist who understood my needs. 
And so I started working really hard on that. I started getting more education, not just for LGBTQ, but also adolescent care in general. And it started developing and become my sweet spot. And it's just a place where when I sit down with teenagers, it's always fascinating for me because parents always come in and say like, oh, my kid won't talk. They won't talk. And I start the interview with like parents in the room and then I ask the parents to leave and then the kids sit down and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, yeah, I think I'm doing the right work here. It has to be so important for a kid to be able to have a relationship with a trusted adult who shares their experience in terms of the landscape for therapists. I mean, I feel like there's a shortage of therapists full stop for adolescents today, but is there a real need for more therapists who are LGBTQIA to support those kids? Absolutely. I think it's not just that a person has to be LGBTQ to be an affirming therapist, but I think any therapist who wants to work with our community and parents, I think this is a really important thing for you to ask any new therapist is, do you have training and education in the needs of my LGBTQ kid? Because there are lots of therapists out there who are LGBTQ friendly, and they're going to say like, oh, yeah, my uncle so-and-so is, and my best friend is part of the community. But that's different than actually sitting down and having the education, looking at the developmental processes of LGBTQ kids, which might be a little bit different, well, actually is very different than other adolescents, and really honing in on the skill set that's needed for that kind of support. Yeah. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking too, that's something that comes up just in the neurodivergent space, that there are so many therapists who work with neurodivergent kids who don't have an understanding of all the nuances of how our kids are wired. And so I could see how that training and education would be so important. I would love if you could, because it seems like your book is your way of sharing what you've learned over the years and what we as families, if we have kids who are navigating this journey, need to know. So can you tell us just a little bit about your why for writing the book? What was your big picture mission? Yeah, and I think for me, it really connects to that mission I just talked about, about why I work with, with queer youth and their families. Almost everything in the book is a question that's come up either from a family member, from a parent, or in parts of the journeys of kids themselves about what it's like to come out in the world today. And so it just felt like my honor to carry that information out into the world. Ultimately, the point of this book is for any parent who has a kid who's coming out or has a kid who they suspect may be coming out to them, and they wake up at two in the morning with all those anxieties and fears about their kids' development and safety in the world, to be able to reach open and open this book and have a calming, kind, informed voice tell them it's going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be more than okay. It's going to be amazing. Well, that's great. The book is called Out, and the subtitle is A Parent's Guide to Supporting Your LGBTQIA Plus Kid Through Coming Out and Beyond. And I always like to break things down because I don't want to assume that all of my listeners know what LGBTQIA plus stands for. You actually break it down really nicely in the book, that acronym. Could you just tell us what those letters mean? Okay, so you're going to have to help me out here. So L would be for a person who defines themselves as lesbian. G is for gay. B is bisexual. T is transgender. Uh, LGBTQ. Q can be queer or questioning. I would be intersex. And A for me is can be asexual. It can also be ally. 
which I always suggest for any parent who's picking up this book, you are already on that journey to becoming an ally, not just to your kid, but to the community as a whole. Yeah, I hadn't ever heard of the allies being part of the A, but I loved that. And then I can just assume that the plus means we don't know what else exists. I feel like we keep adding letters because we're becoming more nuanced or there's deeper understanding of different ways of experiencing the world. Is that plus kind of leaving the door open? The plus is leaving the door open. And it also, in the book itself, there are other communities which are going to be defined as well, too. Things like pansexuality, asexuality, aromanticism. So that's where the plus slips into play. But for me, the one way I love to describe the, the plus and the, the amazingness of what's happening in my community is, you know, when you're, uh, like, uh, you're using Word and you're writing a, a document and you're like, oh, I want to highlight that and make that little bit of text a different color. So you go and you choose it, you hit text. And then at the bottom, there's things that says more colors. And when you open up that more colors thing, there's that big, beautiful wheel that has all those hues and colors in it. And if you took that and spun it into a sphere, that to me describes this amazing journey that we're moving into when we're, we're exploring sexual orientation and gender identity. We know what this idea of coming out is. And so I'd love to know from your experience, growing up, if someone came out, it was this huge thing. And it was a rare thing back in the 90s. It was kind of a big deal if you knew someone who came out and how they did that and how it was received. And so I'm wondering what it's like for kids today. Have we reached a point where coming out is it necessary in the same way? Do people come out if they are on a gender journey as well? It just kind of break down this concept of coming out for us in our contemporary society. And I want to get even a little bit more granular with you because I think this is really important for parents to understand. So as a gay kid, I realized at a very young age that there was like a different way that I moved through the world. There were different attractions I was having. I didn't know what they meant, but I had those feelings inside of me. And when I looked up at my parents, what I saw was a cisgender heterosexual marriage. So my minority status was not recognized in my family unit. And so for coming out, I think all parents need to understand, even if you are the most affirming parents out there and understand and have really done your work, it can feel like a very isolating experience for kids. Because what we have to do is go inside of ourselves and really examine how we're going to interact with our world. Whether it's statements about our sexual orientation or our gender identity, we go through this internal process. And that's the thing that I think people really need to understand about this coming out process, is it's not just a declaration of my sexual orientation or gender identity, it's an examination of almost all facets of who I am going to be going forward in the world. The other thing that I think every parent needs to understand about the coming out process is it is a lifelong process. So you have a chapter in the book that's called Coming Out. And in that chapter, you say the most supportive and powerful reaction you can have to your child coming out is to simply hug them tight and let them know that you love them. Can you say more about why that is the reaction that we want to give to our kids? Well, if you think about it, in this moment of coming out to you as a parent, this is the most anxiety-producing moment that any LGBTQ kid is going to go through. Once again, even in a household that they know it's going to be an affirmed identity, there's still all this anxiety. Their heart is beating really fast, their palms are sweating, their body temperature is up. 
And the biggest thing for almost every kid in that moment is a fear that somehow they are going to be rejected by you or the family. And that fear is very real, no matter how affirming an environment you have set up. So this idea of just bringing them in and using the word, I love you, hold them tight, that physical, physical connection creates that bond in that moment. It helps relieve the anxiety. And these words of affirmation, I love you, I love you, I love you, are so simple and yet so clear. And you as a parent may be going through your own like emotional turmoil in that moment. That is less important than creating this initial bond of love with your kid. And I repeat it throughout the book. Every moment you have, hold that kid tight and let them know that you love them for exactly who they are. I love that answer because it's simple, it's doable, and it's something that any parent can proactively prepare for. Because as much as we think we know our kids, we don't know what's going on in their inner worlds, especially maybe as they get older, and they become more private and are sharing more with their friends. And so just having that in your back pocket, probably prevents a lot of those kind of deer and headlights moments. And also just letting parents know that they don't have to say all the things and respond in this perfect way, letting them off the hook seems like a gift. Well, the thing is, for me, this is the perfect way. And that's why I keep mentioning it over and over and over again. Because if that's your foundation for any future conversations about their LGBTQ identity, what a great foundation to have as a parent. You can always lean back in that. Because there are going to be moments during this journey as a parent where you are going to be overwhelmed, and you're going to be confused, and your kid's going to yell at you for not knowing the correct word of right now. And if you can continue to lean back into, I love you, that is always going to be a beautiful place to be building from. I want to talk more about the process that parents are going through. And we're going to do that when we get back from this quick break. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet, travel, certain medications, and of course, something many of us have plenty of in our daily life, stress, are just some of the other factors that can totally throw off our systems. Enter Ritual. They created Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Their supplement includes two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. I like Symbiotic Plus because it delivers all this goodness in one single nested minty delayed released capsule designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract. And because the capsules don't require refrigeration, I just keep them on my desk so that I get that helpful visual cue every morning. Plus, they're easy to bring with me when I travel. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary of Gotcha Day when we adopted our sweet Haskell, my cat who acts like a dog, plays fetch, and who I'm pretty sure has sensory processing differences. Are you getting a new pet soon? That means you'll need to think about getting the necessities like food, toys, a bed. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. 
The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. So you have a chapter in the book called You're Going Through a Process Too. And you say that this is one of the more important concepts that you share in the book because what you have found is that most parents of LGBTQIA plus kids want to do right by their kids, but they may end up sacrificing their own well-being in their attempt to be perfect parents. So what would you want parents to know if they're kind of in this right now and they're really struggling, they're in that process and they're trying to do it perfectly? So here's the first thing I will do. I invite any parent who's joining us today to remove the mantle of having to be the perfect parent. There is no such thing. All of us are human beings trying to grow and become better at who we are. And I want to give you as a parent permission to not have to be perfect. Really important. The other thing though, and this is a big piece that I talk about in this chapter of the book is you need to understand that you as a parent are going through a process yourself. I often describe it a little bit as a grieving process. And people get confused by that concept. It's not that you're grieving that your kid is coming out. What you as a parent are grieving is that the imagined version of your kid is not the same that that they used to be. Oftentimes when parents like give birth, they look down at their little kid, they look into its eyes and they're like, oh, I'm going to project forward this entire life for you. You're going to be the valedictorian and captain of the football team or head cheerleader. You're going to buy a house or the white picket fence and, and have kids and we're all going to live happily ever after. And when your kid comes out, that dream can shatter for a lot of parents. And that's the part of the process I think parents need to understand. It's the dream that's shattering. Now, it doesn't mean that any of those things can't come true, but they may happen differently. And in the families that I work with, I encourage the parents to understand you need to give time to move through this and to process those feelings. And I also tell the kids I'm working with, you already figured this out. You've been thinking about this. We've been chatting about you coming out. This is new for your parents. We need to give them a little space to process what they're feeling. Yes, that is such a good reminder. And I literally two hours ago was interviewing two authors about this wonderful book called I Will Die on This Hill. One of the things that the book talks about is how parents raising autistic kids have to also go through this process. But that process of kind of identifying this vision they had is a big piece of it. And one of the things that one of the contributors to that book said is that parents are sold a dream. We kind of grow up or have kids with this vision of what this is all going to look like. And it is really important to surrender to our kids experience. And that 
there are real feelings around those. So we don't need to shame ourselves for having those feelings. Just know that it is a process. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful parallel to bring up. I wish all parents could explore this process because ultimately every parent projects forward their kid's life. You know, if you sit down with them and you sit long enough, ultimately every parent will admit, yes, I have a vision of who I want my kid to be as they grow up. And in any adolescent development style, through those teenage years, that's when it's important that kids are finding their own identity of who they are. And parents need to understand, oh, I need to work through my stuff about how I'm feeling about who they're becoming, whether it's being LGBTQIA plus or any other aspect of identity that doesn't fall in line with that parental vision. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we were talking before I hit record that we have discussed gender identity on the show a couple of times. And listeners, we did some great episodes with Dr. Laura Anderson. I'll have links to those in the show notes page if you want to go back and listen. They're fantastic. But you talk a lot about gender identity in this book as well. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I just would love to know your experience and what you've noticed in the work that you do it seems that it's like been in the last five years or so, there's been just an explosion of adolescents, kids, young adults who are exploring gender, who are just getting in tune with their gender identity. So I'm just kind of curious, if you had written this book 10 years ago, would transgender and gender identity be such a big part of it? I'd love to know kind of your bird's eye view. So for me and the work I do, absolutely, it would have been a full part of the book then as well as now. The thing that's really beautiful, and I celebrate this in the adolescents and the kids of today, is they are not just accepting this story of gender that they have been handed by their parents and by society. They're looking at gender. They're questioning it. They're exploring how it reflects who they are in the world. And I think that's incredibly powerful. The other piece of this puzzle that's so important to understand, too, is if, if we look back historically... There have been representations of of gender identity throughout culture and society since the beginning of recorded history. This is not just something, some new flash in the pan that suddenly appeared when social media became big. This is something that's been part of the fabric of culture for a long time. If we look at Hawaiian culture, native Hawaiian culture, there's always been space for a gender between male and female. If we look at the cultures of India, there are five different ideas of gender that have been expressed there for years and years and years. And so when people say, oh, it's something new, it's not something new. What is happening is we're finding spaces to talk about it more openly and create spaces for exploration to happen. Have you noticed in the work that you do that neurodivergent kids are more maybe because of the way that they're wired. We know that there is a high, I don't know if correlation is the technical right word, but we do know that there is a maybe a larger percentage of neurodivergent kids who identify as LGBTQIA plus than neurotypical kids. And so I'm just wondering what you notice about that or how you make sense of that. Well, I think it's really interesting because we have this study that just came out last year and it's like a five-year longitudinal study And it is looking at this higher correlation between neurodivergent kids and LGBTQI status. Um, I think it's really fascinating. And we don't necessarily have an answer for that. But what I will say anecdotally is 
once again, when you find yourself part of a minority status, you start exploring all aspects of who you are in your world. And once again, if you are not just accepting the script that you have been handed that you're supposed to follow, and suddenly you get a script and three of the pages have been torn out, and you have to figure out your way through those three pages, that's when you're going to start looking at everything. And for me, I think it's incredibly powerful. And I do think it is something to be aware of as a parent that there is this huge correlation that we're really starting to understand right now. So interesting. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. In the Tilt Parenting community, one of our core beliefs is having this ethos of neurodiversity affirming parenting. And you talked in the very beginning about affirming who our kids are. So I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that, why it's so important in the way that our families show up for kids in a LGBTQIA affirming way. And what does that mean in the real world? You talk a lot about this in the back of the book, like dealing with the outside world and with family and with friends. And so how do parents show up for their kids in that way? Like you were just saying, when your kid comes out to you as a parent, I like to describe it as they're dropping a pebble in the middle of the family pond and it's going to ripple out and affect you as parents. It's going to ripple out and affect the other siblings in the household. It's going to ripple out and affect extended family. It's going to ripple out and affect family community connections. All of those things need to be looked at in this process. And it can either be a process that tears people apart or it can be a process that brings us together. 
I'm always accused of being way too optimistic about the world I live in. But my hope and my hope in this book and the language I use is about finding ways for us to make it a place to bring us together. So that if your kid comes out to you, working with your spouse, or if you're on your own, finding community support like a PFLAG meeting or reading from places like PFLAG online that has some great resources so that you become a stronger, more affirming parent or parents. And then in that place, you bring in the sibling conversation because although they may not identify as being part of the LGBTQ community, questions of sexual orientation and gender identity can be important discussions for everybody. How are the siblings feeling about their other sibling coming out? What's that energy? What does it mean to the family? And then coming together as a family and discussing how do we let extended family know? How do we create an affirming space that moves out in the extended family? And one thing that I point out so strongly in the book is as a parent, you need to really check in with your LGBTQ kid because they need to be the driver of that car. There have been so many occasions where really well-meaning parents who are affirming and supportive and ready to be there for their kids reach out into the world and start announcing the coming out process for their kid without their kid's permission. That really, really takes away the empowerment of the moment from the kids. So sit down. It's just like, look, we're going to be meeting with grandma for the holidays. Do you want grandma to know? Do you want grandma to use your affirmed pronouns and name? Are you ready for that? And the kid might say yes or no. And then you as a family need to work together to create a support system to back up and support that decision. So all of these layers play out in this process. And that's where as a family, I think it's important to come together and find out how you're going to move through the world together to support your kid. Yeah. And it's not one or two conversations. It's just ongoing connection, relationship, communication, and growing together throughout this process. And you did address something that is so important for me as well. It's a lot of times, even in really well-meaning families, it turns into a one and done conversation. I'm out. I'm this and that. Great. We love you. Yay. And then crickets. And like we said earlier, this is a process, an ongoing process. What does being out mean in their school environment? How does it affect their dating experience? How is it going to affect the colleges they choose from? What's it going to feel like when they're going to a workspace? How's it going to affect your kid's connection to their faith or spirituality? All of these things are part of the conversation. And if we as parents can move away from our anxiety and fear about opening up those deeper questions, we can actually connect to our kids. And I always tell this, we can learn a lot from them as a means for our own growth and development. Absolutely. I just want to let listeners know too, that John's book has such great information in there about how to talk about sex, how to talk about all the things that our kids need to know that any child needs to know, but through the lens of specific issues or concerns, considerations for LGBTQIA plus kids. So we're not going to go into that in depth, but maybe just share why it was so important for you to provide that really just useful and very detailed information that parents might not be able to access otherwise. Well, the first thing I always I say to the end of the chapter is like what we talk about in the sex and relationship chapter could apply to any of your kids, because it is one of the most anxiety producing moments for parents to realize their kids may be sexually active creatures and how to talk about that openly. I do think it's important once again to understand that 
Oftentimes, as parents, you may have made decisions about how we're going to treat our kids as they grow up through a very heteronormative lens. And then when your kid comes out, it throws that all topsy-turvy. And a thing that I think is so important for parents to look at is treating your kids equally in those moments. I give an example of a book in that, like, if you have a kid who is cisgender, heterosexual, and at age 18, the rule in your house is they can have sleepovers with someone they're dating. Okay. Oftentimes, when a gay kid comes out and they've turned 18 and they want to have that sleepover, parents' brains explode because they can't conceptualize what that means. And what I talk about is we need to create an equal playing field for you to get over your biases and agendas to understand that their needs as a developing person are just as important as those of your straight kids. Yeah, that's great. I know that it can get very confusing for parents, especially if their kid is on a gender journey and dating, they may not understand what sexual orientation means in the context of a different gender identity. So I really appreciate everything that you shared in that chapter is so helpful. Just one joking thing too. As a parent, I've never heard any parent who actually understands their kid's dating process. Most parents come to me and say like, I do not understand dating today. And that's okay. It is totally okay. But don't understand it equally for all of your kids, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. At the very back of the book, you have a great SOS help guide where you tackle the most frequently asked questions, which is just such a gift. And I bet you get a lot of questions. I'm kind of curious, what is, I don't know if there's one most common question, but what is the thing that parents seem to be most concerned about or that you find yourself saying over and over again to parents in the midst of this process? The reason that SOS book is part of the book is there is because there are these I'm panicking questions that come up for almost all parents. The number one thing that I get during conversations is what did I do wrong that my kid is LGBTQIA+. Mm. So at the beginning, you talked about how you like to break things down. And for me, the biggest thing in that question is this idea of wrong. Because what it does is it sets out that there is something incorrect about who your kid is becoming and who they are unveiling themselves to be to you. I think it's so important for parents to move beyond that type of questioning, because it does put out this tacit thing that this is a less than identity. You may have also noticed that I don't use the word acceptance in the book or in our conversations today. Because for me, using the word acceptance says, I see a flaw in you, but I'm going to be a big person to accept you for this flaw anyways. I use the word affirmation. I affirm you and see you for exactly who you are. And that's what I encourage parents to do whenever this question of what did I do to make them this way is no, there is nothing you did to make them this way. There's nothing wrong with them being who they are and to open up your heart and embrace this amazing kid that's right in front of you. Yeah, I love that distinction between acceptance and affirming. And just to to add to that, with the kids that you're working with, is acceptance a piece of the journey that you're on with them? Like I imagine you have kids who show up who are struggling with who they inherently are. Is that part of your process? For me, it, it all walks hand in hand. For them to be able to affirm who they are, mm-hmm. to be able to look in the mirror and look in their eyes and say, I am a beautiful spirit on this earth, and I am ready to take on the world and be exactly who I am. 
once again, beyond acceptance and moving into those deeper levels of core understanding of who we are. And people hear me say that about adolescents, but that's the miracle of it. They are in these really beautiful, juicy spaces of exploration. And so if when I open up questions like that, it's so amazing to watch them bloom and explore how affirming their life can be if they can shift that lens that I'm less than simply by being LGBTQIA+. Yeah, and everything that you're saying, too, just also, once again, does relate to neurodivergence and this idea that neurodivergent people are wrong or there's something they need to be fixed. I think the intersectionality can create even more challenges when kids are trying to figure out identity and navigate and come to a place of self-affirmation when they're living in a world that doesn't always see their identity as a positive. And that's on us. Yeah. It's it's not on any kid who's going through their own unique journey. It is on us as the adults in their world to work through whatever our anxieties and fears and biases and agendas are and to be willing to step in a more innocent place of discovery and realize we do not know it all and mm-hmm. that's got to be okay. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would want to make sure listeners leave knowing? We couldn't go into the whole book, but listeners, it's an easy read. It's a comprehensive and rich with experience. And so I highly recommend listeners, even if you're not going through this journey right now, that you check it out to see how you can be more supportive because there are humans in your world, kids in your world who are going to be on this journey. You may not know it now. So being just aware of, of how you might want to show up better to those relationships is a wonderful thing. But is there anything that you'd like want to make sure that listeners have in their head before we say goodbye? Well, you know, we were just talking about building this affirming energy. And this is a journey for parents. You know, what your kid is going through, you're going through as an entire family. And at the end of each chapter, there are these five questions for reflection. And it's really funny. It happened because I wrote a couple for some early on chapters. And my my editor was like, oh, this is really cool. You need to make this part of every chapter. And it is about whatever you read in each chapter. At the end, there are going to be five questions for you as a parent to look inside and really question your feelings, your thoughts, your ideas about the material presented in each chapter. And I think this can be so powerful for your personal growth as a parent of an LGBTQIA plus kid to really look at the things society taught you, the baggage you're carrying as you're joining your kid on this journey. Yeah, I love those. I have in every tilt in my book, Differently Wired, I have three questions for reflection. And I just love that invitation because we really do as parents and caregivers have to look inside ourselves to do this deep inner work. And your questions were very beautifully written in prompting that kind of insight. So I appreciate that. And yeah, I just want to say thank you, first of all, again, for writing this book, for sharing everything that you've shared with us today. Is there a place you'd like listeners to engage with you or learn more about your work? Well, you can find more about me and my work at my website, which is www.johnsovec.com, J-O-H-N-S-O-V-E-C. I'm going to guess it'll be in the show notes. Um, you can also find me at gayteentherapy.com. And the book is available at your local bookseller. If they don't have it, you can find it on Amazon, or you can go to the manager of that bookstore and say, you got to carry this book. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, absolutely. I always encourage readers to do that. Just show up and then they'll order it and they'll have it in stock. So thank you again. The book again is called Out and it's a great read. Congratulations. And thanks again for everything you shared with us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. To go deeper into this episode, visit the extensive show notes page. For every episode, there's a dedicated page on my website with links to all the resources mentioned, a full transcript, and a podcast player with key takeaways marked so you can easily go back and re-listen to the sections you're most interested in. Just go to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and select this episode. The Tilt Parenting Podcast is hosted by me, Debbie Reber, author of the book Differently Wired and the founder of Tilt Parenting. This episode was edited by Andrea Curtis Amasquita, and show notes were put together by myself, Andrea, and Lindsay McFadden. If you get a lot out of this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. On Patreon, you can sign up to make a small monthly contribution, as little as $2 a month, and it's super easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash parenting to learn more or click on the Patreon link on any show notes page. To follow Tilt Parenting on social media, go to at Tilt Parenting on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook. Lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by the listeners who need it by subscribing and leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well, and take good care. And for more information about this podcast or any of the resources that Tilt offers, visit TiltParenting.com. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.